Hey everyone, I'm Mark Talbot from 20 Foot Radius. And I'm Derek Myers from DungeonsMaster.com. I'm Craig Sutherland, and you're listening to Recounting Encounters, a D&D Adventures League podcast. A show where we talk about D&D encounters, D&D expeditions, D&D epics, and exploits from our D&D home games. Hey everyone, welcome to Recounting Encounters. This week we talk about what happened at the gaming stores. Uh, Derek was a player. Craig, were you a player too? Yes, sir. Oh, jeez, two players, no DMs. What's going no, on? No, 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 we both got the DM as well. Yeah, I know, I know. You, yeah, <laughs> the other place, but still. Spo- spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We spoiler alert. Too. No, well, now we have a perspective of a player regarding this season's, uh, this season's encounters of Prince of the Apocalypse. So, yes, yeah, so let's get right into it. I know that... Uh, Derek, you want to mention a couple of things to start off with, and uh, I'll go into my little Neverwinter thing, because, yay, the new Module 6 is launched today, so I'll go into that a little bit, and uh, Craig, if you have something to say, you say it, but uh, let's get into it right away. Sure, Chris, but before you go into it, just really quick for anyone who listened to the last episode, my apologies that my voice was all wobbly and distorted sounding. I was having internet issues at the time. Uh, as far as I know, it's fine right now. Yes? Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought it was puberty. Oh, well, I didn't want to say, but I guess <laughs> if you, if you want to be blunt about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just if you guys have just let me know if, if it uh, goes out at all, and I'll, I'll shut up so we don't have to torture our listeners. But okay. Okay. All right, so for our news and notes, uh, until we can come up with a better title for this sort of beginning segment, I got a few little tidbits I want to touch base on. So uh, the first one, and this might be a little uh, little after the fact, but some uh, some campaigns may still be suffering from this. So my home group finally finished uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen just last week, and uh, I, you know they seem to have a pretty good time with it. One of the items that you acquire or potentially can acquire towards the end of the adventure is. Um, the black half dragon uh, Resmir, I believe, is her name, uh, has a magic two-handed greatsword uh, named. Oh, he has what's it called? Hazron, 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 whatever. Uh, the it's a really powerful item, and it has to be attuned, and it's a sentient item. Now, I know that the module doesn't provide all of the stats you would expect for a sentient item. And again, we've talked about some of the oversights with the adventure simply because it was written before the final rules were, were finalized. Um, but uh, anyway, it is, it is part of the, the literal dragon's horde that you, you acquire at the end of the mod. Um, in personally, in my game, I felt this item was just a little bit too powerful. And I looked up in the Dungeon Master's Guide, pages 214, 215, 216, there's a section on sentient items. And it basically says if the characters have conflicting alignments with the item, there's a very good chance the item will take active steps to, you know, screw over the players. And since the item is an evil item, and most parties don't have evil players, or, well, they might have evil players, they don't have evil characters in the party, <laughs> um, you know, for those those uh, characters who have acquired the item and got, hey, look, now I got a plus two greatsword that does all these extra stuff. For DMs out there who are not really sure what to do with this, I encourage you to read this section of the Dungeon Master's Guide on sentient items. And um, basically, the sentient item can can try and take over, like the, can try and charm the the wielder. And basically, that's what I did in my game. I made it very clear the item would not 
allow itself to be possessed permanently by good aligned characters, and the party quickly dismissed the item. They handed it off for destruction or study. So um, I've been reading a lot on the forums. I know a lot of groups are complaining, hey, this guy has this magic sword. It's too powerful. It's unbalanced. But um, anyway, if DMs are out there and they've got this item kicking around in their party and they're not really sure what to do with it or if they want to, if they feel it's too powerful, take a look in the DM's guide. Well, it's kind of one thing they did. They did well in Fourth Edition. I really like the uh, the artifact items, the sentient items, the ones that uh, if you did certain things for uh, the cause of the item itself, that you kind of gained a plus, and your sword got a little more powerful as you went along, and you had uh, added powers. But if you did something against it, et cetera, et cetera. So you know there were evil, there was good, and I I like that system. So it sounds uh, very similar to what you're describing. Yeah, well, there's certain, I mean, as a DM, you can ultimately do whatever you want with it, but, um, I mean, you don't necessarily want to just screw over a player. Like, there, my group found that the treasure that was actually available in Horde of the Dragon Queen, there was not a lot of it in the magic department, and the few items they got, a lot of the characters really didn't feel any of the items were appropriate to them. Uh, so, this, if you've got a party full of melee characters, there was one magic sword, uh, like a regular magic sword, and then there was this Hazaron two-handed greatsword, which, I mean, it's kick-ass, believe me. If I was a player playing a fighter with a two-handed weapon, I would want this. Um, but it's it's pretty tough, and it does require attunement, and, and I feel that if your character isn't the same alignment as the sword, you shouldn't be able to attune it and get those higher powers. So, just, just throwing that out there, I mean, try not to screw over your player if they gave up other items in order to possess this, but if it's unbalancing your game, this is an easy way to fix that. True. Indeed, you can even look at like if you've read any of the Ari Salvatore Dritz books, the uh, sentient sword that that exists in that series. What's Kazad Hay or something like that, or Kazad? Yeah. They call it Kaz- yeah. Kazad. Kazad. Yeah. Kazad something. That's Caddy Bree's sword, right? Caddy Bree had it for a longer she time. Had it for she a had while, it for yeah. a while. Yeah, that's right. And like when anyone who's ever had it in that series always struggles with it. So that's something that like I mean it can even just be done through role playing, just so the you know the yeah. character knows that it's not going to be an easy life of a thing, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I read some stuff on one of the forums. One of the guys basically said that his party refused to give it up, even though they couldn't attune it. The sword can speak. Like it, the, it, this particular item has can speak telepathically or through normal means. And so it basically says every time someone in the party is either lying or sneaking or being deceitful or, or the sword outs them. Hey, the rogue's in the corner. The rogue's trying to hide. <laughs> yeah, they're lying. They're not really doing that. And so he said he's making the life miserable for the party because they, they, you know, it's it's so clear that this item doesn't belong with this group. So, you know, again, we played one night with it, and my party is, you know, astute enough to realize that the par- that the item was not suitable for this group. So they used it as best they could to fight the dragon. And then after that, they're like, we cannot keep this item. They, I didn't really even have to pressure them, but... Uh, I know how uh, maybe a rookie DM or someone who uh, you know wasn't sure how to handle it just gave it to the players. Benefit of the doubt, here's this magic item. If it's if it's causing problems, there are easy. Well, I don't want to say easy, but there are ways to fix it that are very reasonable. So. All right, um, Mark, do you want to talk about Neverwinter? Sure, Craig. Do you have anything before? Um, just a couple little tidbits. Uh, but does is, does that have to do with encounters or is it just no, more no, like no, I, okay, just, yeah, just just like stuff that's going on with D&D. Go ahead, because uh, we'll the, do the general. We'll do the general and then uh, Neverwinter, and then we'll go into the recaps. Indeed, uh, for just if you've been keeping up with their articles and stuff, they do have a new Unearthed Arcana article out for modifying existing classes and things like that. So if you're looking to customize your classes, if they have some, one of your favorite old builds from a previous edition or something you have in mind that's just not 
quite there in the PHB. It might be something for you to take a look at, uh, see if you can uh, modify whatever, what's already there, uh, to something a little more to your liking. I haven't actually read it yet, so I can't tell you how good it is, but I just know it's out. Uh, another thing, too, there's something called, and we were just talking about this, it's called Loot Crate. It's, I guess it's a thing you subscribe to, and they send you a crate every month based on a theme. It's just a bunch of junk, basically, as far as I know. I have no idea it's, what's in there. But no, one, one of our guys in our group has it, and it's a wide variety of, of nerdy tchotchkes and trinkets. Yeah, one, it's one usually... time he got, like, Spock ears and a, and a Doctor Who t-shirt and a t- yeah, DVD. Just, like, it's... Yeah, it's always it, based around a theme. Yeah. What's so, it called? It's called Loot Crate. Okay. So, basically... Um, I know that in, in past packages, because I looked it up, there's been a lot of gaming-related things and stuff in there. Uh, Wizards of the Coast just announced that the, they're they're getting involved in this month's Loot Crate, uh, which is uh, fantasy-based, and they said that there will be a surprise D&D-related item there that you're going to want to have at your table. So, I have no idea what it is, so if you're, if you're interested and got 30 bucks plus shipping to spare, then you can find out. Wow. Great. That's what it is. Just Google it. You'll find it. No problem. But I think that's pretty much it. And then otherwise, uh, Elemental Evil, the uh, Princes of the Apocalypse book is officially out at all stores today. Now, I know we were talking about that earlier. So yeah. why don't we just give that a quick o- once over. So in terms of quality, I was, ask- I was asking Craig earlier, I said, you know, is this is this book kind of like the same as Rise of Tiamat or Horde of the Dragon Queen? So, and you responded, Craig? Well, so my response is that... Uh, no, it is not. It is, in fact, one full adventure path. It's not split into two like the, the Tyranny of Dragons storyline was. Uh, as well, uh, a question, Mark, that you had was about the paper quality. As, as anyone who has those previous two books knows, that it was much more like comic booky. Yeah, it's like know. thick construction paper almost. Yeah, right. But this, this, the the paper in this this one is is consistent with the PHB, the DMG Monster Man. It's, it's just like a standard D and D book. So uh, whether or not there, were, I don't know why there was that difference in paper quality. Because I mean, obviously the presentation in terms of how the artwork is presented and stuff is all the same. But in this book, you're going to get the full one to fifteen adventure path. It's two hundred some odd pages, two hundred fifty something, I think maybe. Um, but that includes the full adventure as well as uh, the uh, the Genasi race, uh, the spells from the recent player companion PDF that they released for free, uh, and all the exclusive monsters that aren't in the monster manual are also in there. So part of that page count is also taken up from the player stuff. So uh, if anyone was following the news before, they were previously planning to release a, a two hardbound books, one of them being the adventure, the second one was going to be the adventures handbook or something like that they subsequently decided not to create a book out of it and just release a pdf for free with the best of that stuff and and a selection of it was just rolled right into the princes of the apocalypse so it saves the gamers some money that's uh that's that's the thing i think long and short i think it's basically a handbook right a handbook with an adventure in it I yeah, think that's, it's, that's like what a it sounds handbook. like. And actually, it doesn't have as much content as the uh, as the free PDF has. What? Well, I, I was just yeah, going to ask you that. Is it more spells, less spells, same number of spells, this, more classes? Spells, more it's all the, it's the same. It's the same spells okay. that you'll get in the pre PDF. Less races because the the PDF has a, a, a selection. There's the uh, there's the non adventures league uh, legal Arcokra. There's the uh, Genasi. There's the 
uh, the Swift Neblin, the Deep Gnome, uh, and yeah, the Goliath as well. Uh, in this, though, they only include the Genasi in the book. Oh, That's interesting. It. But the monster, the monster stats for the uh, exclusive uh, monsters from the mon- Adventure Path are in there. Another interesting note, though, uh, if you remember from uh, the uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen and, and the other uh, Rise of Tiamat, I believe the monsters included in those, in those books also appeared in the free uh, DM uh, book or the free yeah. yeah for the DM guidelines. They did, yeah. In Prince of the Apocalypse, it is monsters from the monster manuals, like the ones that can only be found in the monster manual as well. So, okay. so for those of you who don't have a, a copy of that, you're just making do with the PDFs, you'll either just have to reskin something or, or make do with the PDF or just plunk down the money for Monster Manual, which is quite a good book, so it's worth you, with your money if you're thinking of it. Nice. Cool, you. Yep, well, that's basically it in a nutshell. Excellent. No. Uh, yeah, do, sorry, do Neverwinter, and then I got one more thing after that. Okay, so... Uh, Neverwinter officially launched their module six called Elemental Evil. Uh, a couple new things to note about that. I mean, I've uh, we briefly spoken about that. So there's an increase to level seventy. Um, they've replaced uh, for those of you that haven't been to Protector's Enclave yet. They replaced the fountain. They replaced the fountain with an elemental tree. Now it actually looks really cool. Um, what else? There's a couple of new areas, new worlds. So it's basically the largest module that they've released uh, uh, to date. There are two new worlds that are added onto the map. So it's really, really cool. I've done uh, three or four of the encounters so far. I haven't gotten too far into it, but they've also added the Oathbound Paladin, which is the new character class with all its Paragon Paths. They've also respect a lot of the feats. So a lot of the feats for all the character classes have changed, so they've basically given you a free respec of all those feats. Um, what else can I mention briefly? The new uh, uh, enchantment lockbox is out, the Elemental Earth lockbox. Um, they do give a description of what ha- what is going on in the patch. Um, I'm not through everything yet, so I'm not exactly sure what's happening with everything, but the professions are all now up to level 25. So for those of you that have actually spent the time to level everything to 20, now you've got to go and level everything to 25. It's kind of a, seems like a, a little bit of a pain, but they did need to rework the professions because, you know, uh, seasoned adventurers were actually not getting anything out of that, uh, out of out of the professions, except for the 1600 AD that the leadership provides. Um, apart from that, companions uh, companions are now five levels higher, so you can level your companions five levels higher. They do have now a mythic quality in terms of uh, uh, artifacts. So artifacts can now be leveled to level 120, enchantments to rank 12. It's uh, it's going to be another, I don't know if they're, they're, they're money grabbing or what the point may be, but they're making the game a little more interesting, and I hope that they do fix a little bit of the refining issues that we used to have. And that is my report for Neverwinter. So everybody enjoy the new module. Uh, I will report back on what I've done and all sorts of stuff, and hopefully we can get Scott on next week so we can do a little discussion about Neverwinter. I have a quick question about that, yeah. actually. With with the new content coming in today, if you were just like logging into play, I mean, I, I assume it's for higher-level characters and stuff, the new Elemental Evil stuff? It is. It's from level 60 to 70. So if you were logging in and you got your character to 60, this is something you have to purchase, right? Like it's an expansion content you purchase, or is it is it all free? It's all free to play. Wonderful. So everything they, is, everything is all free to play. Right. What's that? 
I was just saying they took the right uh, model with the free to play. They did. Other 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 MMOs do where you have to buy everything, right? So Well, it is. And I mean, the thing is, is that you've got your Mastercard players, right? The ones that, you know, dump a couple hundred dollars a month into the game. I mean, sure. that's what keeps the game alive, definitely. And they level quickly and they get all the best mounts and everything like that. But you can you can certainly do that with with a good grind and a lot of farming. You can actually get the AD to go buy yourself some keys to have your chance at some of the lockboxes. And you can get some of the mounts that these people pay for. Yeah. Um, it, it is possible. It's free to play and it's a lot slower. But once again, you don't have to spend a dime in this game in order yeah. to get have decent. Part of the fun. But the, um, the uh, Neverwinter for Xbox One is officially finally launched as well. Just what? FYI. Yeah, you can actually tell me a little bit about that. Have they uh, improved the graphics on that at all? I haven't actually downloaded the final build of it yet. I I, lo- I tried to look up feedback to see if there had been any comments on the frame rate or anything. Uh, I mean, it looks fine just from the beta, but the frame rate was pretty atrocious. Uh, however, I haven't found any uh, anyone commenting on it, so that could be a good thing, good sign. But I'm going to download it and, and test it for myself. So maybe okay. next week I'll be able to report back on that. But it is free in the meantime, and if you have the time and room, you can just download it here. But Xbox do you have it? One. Do you have it on your PC, Craig? Also, I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I just got I just built a new PC, which is like pretty powerful now, so I, I can run that game with like that hitch now. Well, I was gonna say. PC. Anyway, we'll talk later because you know if you go PC, then I'll add you to the to the uh, to our guild. But uh, oh, sweet. yeah, yeah. No, I have a couple characters on my. Uh, yeah, but in that case, because Xbox will, doesn't mix with uh, PC. Exactly. But I think I'd probably. Myself, personally, I'd rather play it on PC just because the community, I believe, is bigger. But you know what? I'm not going to write off the Xbox One just yet. For sure. Um, and before we get over to Derek's last bit, something really quickly I wanted to mention since we're talking about all this computer stuff. Uh, they've just officially announced that there is a company they've partnered with to have a virtual tabletop. So kind of like the stuff they had with their Project Morningstar, except I believe the stuff is out already. If you've ever heard of Fantasy Grounds, it's a... It's a paid um, tabletop that supports several different rule systems, but I guess they have officially partnered with the Wizards of the Coast to offer the D&D basic rules first and foremost, but also like you can purchase additional classes and you can purchase content for the like, Court of the Dragon Queen and other adventure content. I think some of the stuff is still on its way, not quite out yet, but uh, they do have this content that's starting to roll out now, and it's officially... Uh, D&D licensed. So if you're looking for a solution for your online virtual tabletop and we're disappointed by the cancellation, I guess, of uh, what did they end up calling it? Dungeonscape. That was what the, the name they called it. Yeah. Um, then this is, uh, I, I guess, this is what the follow-up to that is then, is that Fantasy Grounds will now officially support it. Very cool. Sword Coast Legends also is coming out very shortly. They've actually done the pre-orders. Yes. Have I'm you quite excited for that one. I pre-ordered that bad boy. Oh, you it, did pre-order it? it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, my friend. Let me tell you, <laughs> this game, <laughs> this game reminds me so much of the old like Baldur's Gate. Old Never, well, Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights as well. The old oh, Neverwinter yeah. Nights. Oh my lord, I love that game. I lost sleep over because I was so excited. Um, it has the the whole DM suite, the multiplayer. It, it looks great. I'm quite excited. Uh, the developer end space. They've had a couple questionable games that they've worked on, like the Mary Kate and Ashley licensed games. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, yeah we did. But they did work on a, a really good game called Geist before for the GameCube way back in the day. Cool. So I have high expectations. We'll yeah, well, I'm ordering my, I'm ordering mine for twenty seven bucks. My uh, one of my buddies got the the five pack of license. Oh, nice, nice. And uh, it's costing twenty seven bucks, and he's got the whole DM suite attached to that and everything. Oh, sweet. So yeah, nice. pretty cool. 
Hey, I'll get in on that with you because uh, I'll have my own copy of it as well. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you after the podcast. We'll get you onto the tune. Yeah, yeah. And you could talk to Dan. And just real quick, I, I know we've gone over a little bit on this, but I just want to say, speaking of D and D video games, if you're looking for a really good D and D single player video game, you don't want to play online. I highly, highly, I cannot high enough recommend this game. Pillars of Eternity just came out. Uh, you can get it on Steam or on good old games. It's like a classic old Baldur's Gate style game. It's not D and D, but it's it's very clearly heavily inspired by D&D, and everything is basically D&D. The attributes are pretty much the same thing, and spells and whatnot. Like, it all is basically D&D. It's their own independent property, though, uh, or in- intellectual property, I should say, and uh, it's amazing. Temple so of Elemental you, Evil, baby. If you are a fan of, uh, of yeah, Temple of Elemental Evil, the computer game, or Baldur's Gate, or Icewind Dale, those games back then, this is exactly the game for you. It is incredible. Cool. There, that's it. I've got All right, <laughs> so we're done. We're we're done with the video nerding at this point. Uh, I didn't we say get anything. back. <laughs> <laughs> we we get back. We get back now to the tabletop aspect of this sure. podcast. All right. Uh, very quick then. I keep saying that, and then we're not quick at all. Um, in the So for those of us playing uh, in the Adventures League, uh, there is a player's, what is it called? The AL Player's Guide. Yep. And it was updated recently with the Elemental Evil stuff. Uh, I would strongly encourage all DMs to uh, have read this and to encourage all your players to read it. Specifically, at the end of the at the end of the document, there's an updated uh, frequently asked questions section, and I've had a few people ask me about this. So one of the um, one of the questions, uh, you know, flat out says, um, "What is the ideal path for a character in the D and D Adventurers League?" And then it suggests doing, you know, Lost Mine of Fendelver from the starter set if you're brand new, uh, Princes of the Apocalypse through D and D Encounters or through Home Game if you know if you want something from the beginning. There's also Expeditions, which you can play at your uh, local game store. But then it says here, and there's bold text in this, we do not recommend returning with the same character to play Princes of the Apocalypse or Lost Mines of Fendelver after you've exited from one of those adventures. However, if you do so, you must enter the adventure again at the beginning of a chapter. So that is new. What we saw with Tyranny of Dragons was they'd be, say, for example, in the middle of Episode 2 of Horde of the Dragon Queen. It's going to take two or three or four weeks a guy will do one week Horde of the Dragon Queen. Then on that weekend, we'd run an expedition. He'd come out. He'd get his four, five, six hundred experience, possibly a magic item. Then the next Wednesday, go back, jump right back into encounters. Hey, look, my guy leveled up while I was gone. My guy's got a magic whatever while he was gone. And, uh, you know, we just we did what we could to make it work. I guess there were problems or complaints. More than likely, probably problems, record keeping. And, you know, it just sort of takes away from the... You know, your character's in the middle of some epic battle. Okay, we're out of time. Pause. We'll pick it up next week. And the guy comes back, and all of a sudden, he's like, hey, look, I have 10 more hit points and a new spell and a magic sword and <laughs> yeah, a whatever. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so I, I certainly understand where they're coming from, saying, you know, if you're going to play encounters and you want to use that character in the other adventure, that's fine. But if you're going to come back, you got to wait till the end of the chapter. Uh, my What I think I'm going to do as sort of a house rule is say, you can certainly go and do the expeditions, and then when you come back the next week to encounters, you can continue to use your character. However, you cannot apply anything you've earned from the expeditions until the end of the chapter. So therefore, your your character doesn't actually change or improve 
uh, from the one-off expedition until the 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 story the storyline the chapter in expedition in, in encounters rather is completed. So, I just emailed someone on this today. I said, you know, if you earn a bunch of XP, you you earn some magic, you earn some gold, downtime days, renown, what have you. Essentially, it's on your adventure sheet log, but it would come after you complete your current uh, chapter or episode of D&D Encounters. So, I mean, it's up to the DMs how you want to handle it, um, you know, but the by the book is once you're out, you're out. So figure out how you think you can do it that's fair, but just be mindful that this is now in print and uh, it's in there for a reason. And I assume the reason is there were problems. So just be mindful of that. And with that... Let's go to D&D Encounters, Princes of the Apocalypse. Indeed. So, Craig, you and I both ran a table, and then we had an opportunity to play uh, on a different night at one of the other stores. Yes, Why sir. don't you uh, start by telling us how your table played out at, when you were the Dungeon Master? Well, I'm not going to get too much into the details of that, because I don't want to spoil anything, given the, um, the sort of free-form nature of this adventure. But uh, the way that I'm running it, is that uh, you basically, the first, I guess, section, chapter, whatever you want to call it, of this season is, you know, you have the town of Red Larch that you're in, and that's kind of your base of operation of operations for a while. Uh, you have a number of different tasks that you'll need to complete. Much like we've seen with previous modules, it, they don't have to be done in any particular order. Now, the way that this is laid out, though, is that these things can generally be done pretty quick. I think, realistically, if I really wanted to, and I think you would agree, Derek, we could probably get through most of this stuff within two weeks' time. You'd be yeah. pretty much done with that section. Yeah, if you However, pushed, you could do it in two, no problem. Yeah, no no problem at all. But given the fact that we have until mid-August, until the next storyline, uh, and you know how quickly things kind of finished up with with the last uh, last season with Horde of the Dragon Queen and the fact that they're calling for less less sessions in this particular season I've decided that you know we're going to take our time with it as, as long as the players are having fun I don't mind stretching it a little bit more play up more of the role playing stuff and you know what I mean and, and, and role play during the combat scenarios which is always fun too so uh, you know obviously you want to be mindful for, for the players that you have at your table. Some people are going to prefer combat, some are going to prefer role-playing, but I've been taking it one step at a time, basically, and as a result, we've been getting some really great character interactions between the NPCs and in between the uh, between the characters themselves, and coming up with our own little things. Like, for example, one of the uh, the quests requires you to, to locate, uh, well, basically, to, to deal with bandits. That's pretty much as generic as you can get, I guess, with the D&D. But, um, you know, you don't have to... Uh, like, I mean, the way that it, it's done is, boom, you go to the bandits, deal with it, you're done. It can be done like that, but the way it's written... Boring. I, yeah, well, that's exactly it, right? Like, all right, go deal with the bandits. Oh, you're back, you dealt with them, great. Right? Like, that's that's pretty much how it plays it. But what we decided to do was, you know, I, I, I said that, you know, they have an idea of where the bandits might be, pretty sure it could be here maybe it's here oh it could be there oh, what about over there so give them a whole bunch of places to go and come up with like just interesting little ideas of, of, of encounter like whether you're rolling on the the random encounter table or something else there's there's definitely like some interesting things you come up with or just something like just something crazy right like something to to, <laughs> to, to surprise everyone but uh i've basically I've, I've stretched those things out to full sessions thus far and 
in my experience so far, and uh, in my table as well, like we've we've loved it. We've just had so much fun with it so far. Just really stretching this content. There's a lot of rich content there. I think there's a lot of characters in the town that you can have a lot of fun with. So you know why not, right? Like there's you don't have to rush through this stuff. So we have the time to do it. I mean, I know I remember previous seasons where it's like, oh crap, we have to get this done. Oh my gosh, there's not enough time. <laughs> do you remember? Like it, what yeah. was the what was it the was like a race? Fun? Who could finish it? Who could finish it first? Yeah, it was Scourge of the Sword Coast was one where you're like, oh crap, we just have to cut out so many of these adventures because we have to get to the end. Yeah. But like now it's like, well, there's like three encounters worth of content here over five months. So. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating there, but uh, but yeah, no, I just want to say that like that that's how we've been doing it thus far. We're almost near to the end of the of the first sort of section, but thus far we've done the first a couple of the encounters. I don't want again, I don't want to get into too many details about it, but um, yeah, it's it's just been tons of fun. Cool. Yeah. So um, and now, correct me if I'm wrong. You had a full table again this week, right? Yes, sir. In fact, yeah. Well, I know you did too. So yeah, we had, we're each running tables of seven players, and a couple of our regulars uh, have been absent. So we're uh, we're continuing to have a you know it's a good problem to have. We have such sure. so many people interested in playing, but we we don't have enough DMs. So we are actively trying to recruit some additional DMs. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're in Toronto, please reach out to us. Come to face to face games, and uh, we could definitely use some help. We need some more DMs. Indeed. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, one thing, Derek, that uh, that happened at my particular table, one thing I will point out specifically because it has a tie into to the game that we played was that I had uh, the characters become deputies, basically, and they're honorary <laughs> deputies, so, which is why I asked when we played, can we do the same thing here? Oh, okay. So they, they've been doing that, and they've been having a lot of fun being the deputies. And uh, Did they exploit it like we did? No, not to that extent. I think we really. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a few minutes. <laughs> but uh, but basically, just so you know, anyone listening has an idea of what's going on. Basically, the characters are investigating some strange happenings around town and trying to get to the bottom of it. But you know, a lot of it is like I said, it, it's sort of generic type scenarios. And uh, and again, kind of like with with uh, with Horde, I find that it, it does leave a lot of room for the DM to insert flavor here kind of thing right like they, they do give you a lot of stuff to also think about and, and to inspire you but there's a lot that's left to the dm kind of like the uh just the, the whole direction with with fifth edition seems to be like this is the dm presenting this game is kind of the, the vibe i get but anyway sorry no, so I'm you're in re- you're in red large still then right yeah, we're we're in Red Large, and, and like I said, it's kind of like the the base of operations for the characters. Right, they're going out and, and investigating things, sort of under the, uh, you know, under the title of the these the, these honorary deputies that they just kind of fell into. If you remember from I think from last week, they they were uh, they came into town with one of the injured town, uh, you know, townies, and in his uh, particular partner he was with was killed, so the characters were under suspicion, uh, and there was. You know, a little bit of an interplay between the party where they were all trying to rat each other out. But basically, right. in the end, somehow they ended up becoming deputies and are now sort of acting on the uh, town's behalf since they're kind of short-staffed at the moment. They don't exactly have a full police force or town guard or something like that, right? That's funny. A bunch of liars come into town and now they're the most powerful people there. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> nice. They think they are anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay, so with mine now, um, Craig, you're a week ahead of me, right? You you've got three sessions in with your group so far. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
regrettably i was uh very ill a couple weeks back so i only i'm only completed two so far um and uh as craig mentioned the the way the first episode is broken down there's like three sort of mini tasks the characters can do uh and so my characters only had a chance to do one and i basically they did the bandits as well similar to what craig said and it's almost like we were uh we had planned this although in this particular instance we did not uh, I, same thing. I had the constable explain that uh, the bandits were out there. He didn't know exactly where, but since um, the constable, uh, it, it, the way I've been running him is he's like ex-military. I'm almost thinking like he and his buddies are almost like uh, uh, ex, ex-military who have now become sort of mercenaries, but for whatever reason, they're in, in Red Large. Like it's, it talks about how his wife runs the, this butcher shop, so I'm thinking that maybe... You know, he promised the wife after he had completed some military service, he was now going to take some time off to spend with her and and let her do her business stuff. Well, you know, anyway, whatever. Backstory. And uh, so he basically said to the parties, like, look, if I was doing this, here are three or four locations that I think would make suitable bases because these bandits seem really lazy and unorganized. And these are like really good spots where the where the natural terrain is just works. And so. you know, the character, I, I just rolled randomly every time they got to one of them. I'm like, is this the one? And I'd roll randomly. And um, so the first one they went to was empty. Second one they went to, uh, there was actually, it was a bunch of uh, teenagers having like a bonfire and drinking and, and hooting and hollering. And of course, the way I described it, the player characters expecting to fight bandits certainly thought it was bandits. And so that made for an interesting encounter where the first round, the player characters didn't bother to talk or ask questions. They just charged in and attacked, um, which can always be fun. And uh, once that got resolved, they continued on. They eventually found the bandits. The uh, the module calls for, I want to say it's four bandits. And I think yes. in order to pump it up for my party, we had seven PCs. And I think only two of the seven were level one because a lot of them had played uh, some of the Lost Minds of Fendelver beforehand, so they'd earned some XP. And uh, so I ended up throwing 12 bandits using two i did six and six i used the bandits as they're statted out and i think i used knights which are basically they're double everything the bandits they get tw- you know they have like 20 some odd hit points their armor class a couple points higher um and even with the 12 bandits <laughs> the party made short work of it. it it still took a while with a party of seven to get through but there was really no danger the party was clearly gonna was gonna you know be victorious and they were and um and as Craig mentioned, they had had a chance before they went to hunt down the bandits to interact with some of the NPCs and get to know some of them. Uh, some made very positive impressions. Some did not. And um, uh, many of them wanted to try and find members of their faction in Red Larch. So uh, we're continuing to uh, to play up that. And, um, yeah, we're going to pick things up this week as they arrive back in town. Heroes having defeated the bandits. And then they'll have an opportunity to follow up on some of the other plot points. And that's uh, that's how it's played out so far. Well, Sweet. I say, Derek, it sounds like great minds think alike in terms of uh, the bandit. Uh, well, I think you and ch- yeah, camps. I think you and I have played enough of these that when we we, we read the, the the text as printed and go, yeah, I could do it that way, but that's pretty boring. So yeah. how well, can we spice the, this up a little? Well, it's it's funny that you had those teenagers partying because I also had sort of a similar element where I had some college students uh, involved <laughs> in one particular section too during the bandit uh, encounters so but yeah my guys have have gone on one more beyond uh, what your guys have done basically they've looked into a supposedly haunted tomb uh but for each of those situations they're very quick little details but just really look at like 
where the, the where they pick up these uh, these plot lines from, like the hints and stuff, and you can turn those into role playing scenarios, right? That the players are going to remember. So, you know, like like making like I, I believe it mentions that, you know, he knows of a couple spots where the bandit camp might be, right? But then the obvious thing is that that they give you the only thing they give you is here's the encounter where the bandit thing happens. So as a DM, you might want to think, okay, well, he said a couple things though, so. Let's come up with a couple of other ideas. Maybe the the players will go there first, right? Yeah. So it's so, interesting. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's certainly given me some ideas. Exactly to your point, it tells you, you know, this NPC has this information, and so what I've been trying to do is think, well, how did that NPC come up with that information, or why is this important to the story that this this NPC rather than somebody else conveys the information so i've been i've been really trying to to flesh out that a little bit more than just you know random npc number three walks up to you and says i know where the bandits are it's like well that's kind of boring let's let's be a little more imaginative and uh the, the players have been doing a really good job of of you know playing to their classes playing to their specialties so we've got a couple of bards we've got a couple of you know combat characters and and they're they're sort of approaching the role-playing very much uh, uh, from the appropriate places that you would think, like you know, well, how would a, a you know a, a fighter approach a social situation, or how would a bard approach social situations? So it's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been a lot of fun anyway. So far, so good. But it's it's tough with those large parties. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now for our joint uh, play, play experience, yeah. So this we uh, so Greg and I are running the tables at face to face games in Toronto. We are playing at uh, Harry Tarantula North in Toronto, but we are uh, we are both players, and we've come up with characters that have a uh, shared backstory, distant relatives. We're still working on the finer points, but we're playing a couple of dwarves who are the last of their line in line for uh, uh, to to acquire a substantial inheritance, but they have to, you know, basically do the Herculean tasks for their uh, great 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 grandfather. Because he isn't dead yet, and he's trying to figure out who to leave his fortune to. So our characters have this adversarial nature going on while they're adventuring. And uh, I've been playing my guy uh, as a, as a loud. He's a fighter bard, and he's been very loud. It's the opposite of every rogue you've ever played. Who was always I'm hiding in the shadows, and I don't want anyone to see me. I thought, screw that. I am loud. I'm walking into every yeah. room and bellowing out, and all the, all my magic spells are thunder this and thunder that. So, like, when we went to find the bandits this week, the DM's like, you see the bandits are about 200 feet up ahead. And I'm like, oh, I called them, hey, bandits, we have, we are deputies here to arrest you. Surrender now. And then we realized <laughs> it was going to take us, like, four or five rounds of running just to get into melee. And it's like, oh, we probably didn't think this went through very well. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun. It, but it's it's kind of it's, it's refreshing playing like that, though, too, right? Because hmm. you don't have to, well, I'm going to try and do a stealth and hide check every, you know, five Five minutes, you're doing another stealth and hijack. Oh, there's nothing more monotonous than a rogue waiting yeah. for the or a party waiting for the rogue to kind of move up. Yeah, I know. That, that, well, that's what I mean. It, it, that's yeah. what's, it's just been it's been great having it's been that. Refreshing. To, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and my character, the one I'm playing, is um, uh, he's basically um, sort of this guy who, who's he's a bit crazy. He's he's kind of like a conspiracy theory nut, but not necessarily just that he's also got a phobia of just about everything as well at least that's that's the way i've been sort of playing him right so far and as we go over the past couple of sessions i've been trying to like sort of fine-tune some of those things like so i definitely have that that sort of uh innate rivalry with the uh, with your character uh and as well 
you know, this, that sort of sense of competition that exists there. But, uh, but at the same time, I've been trying to really have him be this sort of crazy, you know, it's like you would, ne- it's someone who you would never be able to have a, a proper conversation with and, and walk away feeling normal. <laughs> like you, you know what I mean? So, so that I think answers my question. You two played at the same table, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and Craig's character, we decided to do opposite alignments. So Craig's character is the chaotic side, and I'm the lawful side. So mm-hmm. my guy always has a reason for doing something. He's always trying to find, you know, well, how will, you know, means to an end. How can I do this to better myself to get this inheritance? Whereas Craig's character is a little more impulsive or, or acting out of fear. Oh, I have a phobia to that. I better shoot it with my magic. Yeah, nice. well, and that's it, right? And sometimes the phobia will just develop then and there. He'll just decide that he has a phobia of, it, of whatever it is. So, yeah. So we, uh, again, because Craig and I have read the module, we, we know what's coming up. And a couple of the other players at the table are also playing at the other store. So a bunch of us have a pretty good sense of, of what is supposed to happen. So we've been trying to, with the DM's permission and encouragement, we're trying to sort of get a little more out of it. So with the session we played this week, um, we, we did the bandit encounter. We defeated the bandits, and we were looking for swag, and we latched onto something the DM just sort of offhanded remark went, we said, is that it? He goes, well, you know, I guess there's the cart they were driving. And we're like, oh, right, we saw <laughs> the cart. So that, then we spent like the next half hour at the game table pimping out this cart. We brought it back to town, and the wizards used <laughs> mending and prestidigitation to paint it all up. And we totally tricked out the cart, and then we spent like a, a, a stupid amount of time like parading yeah. the cart around the town. And meanwhile, the, the constable's trying to get us to do this thing. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. But... Yeah, and that then, was great when the console came out. I was like, all right, so you got back from the, your objective? Like, yeah, yeah, our objective to to create this awesome new card. It's done. Yeah, yeah. Pimp it <laughs> out. Pimp my ride, D&D style. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the DM was, like, totally on board with this. Yeah, what color do you want it? Like, he's encouraging us. We had encountered some wolves. So we're like, oh, yeah, we should make it look like a wolf. We'll call it the Big Bad Wolf. And, uh, you know, we're giving it a name. We're spending all this time on it. And then, like, we're two minutes out of town, and the DM's like, okay, uh, time for a random encounter. And, of course, it's a creature that can dig under the ground, and so they've created, like, a pit. And so he's like, yeah, the, the ox pulling your wagon falls in the pit, and the wagon goes right in the pit after him and breaks. And we're like, no! I know, the maiden voyage. Yeah, yeah. It was upsetting. <laughs> but, that sounds like Star Trek Episode One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, it was fun. Uh, again, it's those little details where the DM could have easily just said, okay, you go from point A to point B and you fight the monsters and you investigate this and you go there. And, but you know, we played, we, we know what we're doing. We're experienced players with this. So we wanted to do something a little different. And then once we, once we latched onto this cart idea, everyone in the party was on board except one, one player. He had his character sort of like, Oh my God. Like he was sort of not opposed to the idea, but certainly not as enthusiastic as the rest <laughs> of us were. And uh, so it made for some interesting combat. At one point, it was like, well, you can do this spell against the monster, but you're going to get the cart and the spell. And we're like, whoa, whoa, well, then forget that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Our tactics were all about how can we protect the cart? Even at one point, I did a spell where I had to get one of the other PCs. And I even said to him, I go, well, if I do this, I'll get you, but I'm going to get the monster. But I can do it in a way that will not get the cart. And like, or I get the cart and not you. He's like, no, no, shoot me, shoot me. Well, that was the same thing because I was uh, I'm a, an evocation uh, wizard, right? So when I was using Burning Hands at one point, I made sure because I have the sculpt spell, so I can always uh, disclude a, a certain number of targets. But thankfully, the the only ones in my range would have been the cart, the monsters, and one of the players, and I can disclude two. So I said, "You're lucky that you're the only player because if it was two players 
and the cart, the cart automatically wins one of those votes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. And then, of course, he's like, well, your, your oxen that was pulling the cart got killed during the encounter. What are you going to do? So we had the druid transform into something strong enough to pull the cart because we certainly weren't going to leave it behind. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I think we even said if it comes to it, we're pushing it ourselves. Yeah, like we can make harness. There were three. We got three dwarves in the party, and I think the lowest one of us has a fourteen strength. So I'm like, these three dwarves are pretty. They're pretty strong. They could pull this card if they need to. So yeah, no, it's 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 made for some. You know, just it's this little tidbit, but we really latched onto it and made for. A, a well, those really make the memorable thing. moments, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely. mean, you know, you yeah, remember sure. some of the adventure. Yeah, I adventured. I killed stuff or whatever. But oh, do you remember when this happened? Yeah, that was cool. You always get a good laugh. Yeah. We did have a great moment, too, at least. Uh, I remembered it being a great moment where when we did see the bandits, we were about 200 feet away, and being dwarves, we're only running at 25 feet. So three dwarves dashing as fast as they can to to catch up to these bandits. And every time it was the bandits' turn came up, they were trying to shoot us from afar with their bows, but they just kept missing. Uh, at one point, I, my character got hit, but I, I used spell as a as a reaction and was able to deflect the shot. So for the next couple of rounds, we're just getting closer and closer. So the bandits started getting nervous and started backing off. <laughs> it was just I had this image in my mind of, of these three sweaty dwarves running as fast as they can down the path. Yeah. And these well, bandits starting to get a little uneasy about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we, the thing is, because we're dwarves, we all had heavy armor on. So yeah. it's like we're charging through. I think we had chainmail split mail and half plate or something and a yeah. breastplate and it's breast like plate, yeah. you get just picture these three dwarves and their stubby little legs running for and then once the bandits after two tr- two rounds of shooting at us and missing we were getting clo- we were closing that distance pretty good then they decided to run and of course they're human so they had a higher speed than us they were going to get away so i'm like okay enough of this stop draw cro- drew my crossbow which i am awful with and i rolled an 18 on the die i'm like kachunk and then maximum damage 10 points <laughs> and the whole time i'm running i'm like calling out to them i'm like this is your last chance to surrender or else <laughs> so no nice. i had a lot of fun with it it's like a mini gutbuster brigade yeah pretty much yeah exactly yeah it's like total fearlessness it's like yeah we're going we're here we come man that sounds like fun. What's really funny is Craig's character is a wizard and my character is the bard. So it's like we're really not that tough. Like we're not really designed to be good melee characters, but we, we present a strong front. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm the toughest little wizard I'm sure you can, you've ever seen, mind you, <laughs> with a 16 AC, given the fact that I have the Mountain Dwarf uh, sub-race and yep. can now wear better armor. But man, oh man. Yeah, I get the bard with the AC nineteen. Like it's it's silly. Monsters come at us, and it's like the DM's like, "Oh yeah, thirteen. Is that gonna hit you?" We're like, "Not us." It's like, I thought you were a wizard. I thought you were a bard. We're like, "Oh yeah." I we're basically the party. Yeah, we're we're kind of like just these obnoxious dwarves, and I mean the, the <laughs> fact that the other player is he's not necessarily part of the of that sort of shared backstory, but he's kind of joined in. We're kind of like the three stooges almost. Yeah, <laughs> and he's a cleric too. So it's like again, none of us are straight up, you know, melee guy. I mean, the cleric's a melee guy, but certainly the, your cleric shouldn't be your front line guy, and your wizard and your bard should also not be your front line guy. So <laughs> it's, it's turning definitely. into a really, it's turning into some fun. We've only played a couple sessions, but I think this will, I think it'll play out and be a lot of fun. The first session was good, and I think the second session, well, at least the one that I was there for, I should say, because I was not there for the very first. Yeah. But the second session that I played at was was even better. So yeah. I think it's really going to develop over the course of the season. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. I think that's about it. We'll uh, call it here, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about. No, I'm good. Well, one thing I would like to, to request or 
lament is the fact that Mark, you're not at our table. That would just make it that much better. Oh, God. I, yeah. Oh, sigh. Summer's coming. Yeah, summer's Space coming. coming soon, eh? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Then I'll be able to participate. Unless you're uh, doing summer school. Teachers nope. get the summer off, man. Come up and play D&D with us. For sure. For summer sure. Summer D&D school, yeah. Well, summer D&D school, I'm actually thinking of applying for that thing that, anyway, we'll talk about that uh, off, <laughs> off podcast, but, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. All right, anything else? Nope. Yeah, I think that's it. Sounds good. This concludes this week of Recounting Encounters. Join us uh, for our next episode. Maybe we'll have somebody else. Maybe we'll have a name for our intro. Who knows? But join us next week. Until then, have a blast. Indeed. You can follow me on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM and be sure to visit DungeonsMaster.com for original D&D 4th edition material, including a weekly field report of my D&D encounters experiences. And follow me on Twitter at 20foot and visit 20footradius.blogspot.com for your weekly dose of D&D encounters. That's 20footradius20ftradius.blogspot.com. Until then, have a blast.